smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon! Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Benyera, beautifully done, sensational. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in association with BT Sport. Coming up, Lille crushed Lens in the derby to go top. Marseille, Lyon and PSG all secure victories, thanks in part to their new signings. And Nice prepare for their European adventure with a good victory away to Saint-Étienne. The sun is shining brightly in Paris this morning. We're sitting in a lovely apartment overlooking the Eiffel Tower. The coffee is good chez David Croissant. So thank you for that, David. How, how are you this morning? It's very good. Bonjour, Mathieu. Bonjour, David. Great to, uh, great to be here because Robbie Thompson um, has cried off today. So we have no Robbie, which means we, we're, we're moving to a classier part of, of town for the podcast. We do have Armel Tanky. How are you, Armel? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, it's nice and uh, we'll have some time to speak about PSG without Robbie here. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll, we'll have time to give our views about, about PSG. Um, Armel, you, you had a Sunday off, which, which is unusual, so I'm expecting mm. you to be fresh and uh, full, of, full of positive, interesting views. I'll do my best. We're going to start... In the north of France, it was uh, an eagerly anticipated Derby du Nord, the first one in five years since uh, Lens uh, were last relegated to the to the second division. Um, this one, certainly going into round seven, it was second against third. I think by kickoff time, Lens had dropped to, to fourth. But these two clubs have had great starts to the season. Let's hear what happened at the Stade Pierre Mauroy, where Andy Scott was commentating. To Sanchez flights in the free kick and there's the header by Jose Font and it's Borat Yilmaz at the back post he's done it again a third goal in three games for the Turkish veteran Seki Shilik Shilik drills it in and Bamba Shuli is 2-0 how on earth did he find himself completely alone in the six yard box there here is Ikone the substitute and Ikone has made it 3-0 he's just on and maybe that's a message sent by Jonathan Ikone. He's not been able to get into the team in the last few weeks. But he pops up with the goal, his first of the season. This is Sheka. Well, Sheka with a fabulous ball through. Bamba. Bamba lays it back, and there's 4 0. And it's another of the substitutes. It's Yazuju who gets the goal. Well, it was, it was a one sided affair in the end 4 0 to Lille. And you have to say, they're looking very impressive. They were sort of muddling through games a bit earlier in the season, but it does look like Christophe Galtier's side are sort of slipping through the gears now. They won 3-0 away to Strasbourg, that 4-0 victory over Lens. And uh, Dave, we we know that Lens had some important players missing, particularly the the striker, Ignatius Ganago, who's been brilliant so far this season he's uh, he's out injured Seco Fofana was out the Argentine defender Medina who's been so strong was out and ultimately um, they didn't really have enough to to, to compete with uh, Lille no and either of those clubs could have gone top of the table it was Lille who did but what it showed is what we probably expected that Lille should be up there in the top positions come the end of the season and that Lens were in a false position 
I think when it comes to Lille, inevitably the scorers get the headlines. I, I always thought that Burak Yilmaz would come good. He's not a player you want to mess with. He's reliable. He knows how to play football. Bomber is playing like the Bomber of two years ago. Um, Fonte was back from a, Font rather was back from a, a positive coronavirus test, and he had another very good game capturing the side. Those two experienced players, Font and Yilmaz, with the youngsters around them, it's a really nice mix, and they've got strength in depth, attacking options off the bench. They just need their record signing, Jonathan David, to start coming good. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about Jonathan David. Um, you mentioned Font being a you know a really positive influence, I and mean, what a signing he is. He has been in the twilight of, of his career. And I think for Sven Botman, the, the young Dutch uh, centre-back, it's it's great to have uh, Font to play alongside. And Botman is looking so impressive. Lille, they're, they're, they're not conceding goals. But like you say, they've got they've got some depth, don't they, in, in the squad. Andy mentioned that in the commentary when he commentated the fourth goal for, for Yazici. We saw Ikoni come on, Yazici come on. They both scored. That's obviously positive. Is is it a bit worrying, Armel, that that Jonathan David? Oh, we we we've got problems with this name, haven't we? Did mm. you call him David or, or David? I called it David. Yeah. Because Should we just go with JD? Now everyone that listens to the pod regularly knows that when we yeah, say JD, he's Canadian. He's from a francophone background. We've had that confirmed to us. But producer Ian Holyman spoke to Jonathan David, who told him he's very happy with Jonathan David. I'm I'm happy to anglicise it, Armel. Are we worried about Jonathan David? He hasn't scored yet. It's seven games now. 30 million euros he cost them. I mean, yeah. Well, when you sign a striker for 30 million euros, you want him to score goals. And as we've just mentioned, the people around him are, are, are really performing at the moment. Bomber involved in seven goals in seven games. Three goals, four assists. Ikone's ended a bit of a goal drought. Yazici's ended a bit of a goal drought. And Burek Yilmaz, three in his last three. Those stats kind of speak for themselves. All attacking players and... Jonathan David, David, JD. He's um he's been important in in the build up to to goals for Lille, and he's he's a very useful attacker. But I mean, what more use in an attacker do you need than just to to score goals? I think the fact that Lille are you know top of the table and and doing really well um in in terms of a team at the moment is going to buy going to buy the Canadian a bit of time to really make his mark but um, the longer Christophe Gautier continues to start him with the players like Yazici and Ikone who are performing whenever they come on it's going to be difficult for, for Gautier to keep everyone happy and that's that's my worry that there's going to become a bit of a bit of a, you know a bit of Aggie in the team when if, he, if yeah. David still keeps starting I, I think you make a good point about the fact that the, the team is winning anyway and that does take you know people are not necessarily pointing the finger as they would be if if, if they were losing um, but Dave do you think I know <laughs> we, we've talked in the past about Jonathan Ikone and you you feel he doesn't have the stats necessarily to back up his, uh, his 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 talent but do you think he should be starting do you think potentially it could work with with Burak Yilmaz because maybe they would lack a kind of you know a speedy attacker like Jonathan David to 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 go in behind. I think they've got so many options in that squad with Ikone and Yazidji who came on and scored Timothy Weir who's still getting back towards full match fitness. Um, I know the basic problem for for David is that he hasn't done what Victor Ozyman did, and uh, Christoph Galtier mentioned that when he spoke post-match last night. He says some players adapt immediately, like uh, Aussie men, like Botman has done, and some need a bit more time. So fair enough. I mean, 
but while they keep winning games, why would you think about changing too much? And I'm sure Ikone is very frustrated, but Araujo's playing well. And that's the position that he's competing for at the moment. It's the one on the right because you can't keep Bomber out the way he's playing at the moment. Armel, uh, Lille have got some some tough games coming up. They're playing Nice and Lyon in the next couple of weeks, as well as uh, a European, a Europa League campaign. Um, would it be wrong for us to sort of say, ah, we have somebody who can live with PSG or perhaps keep up with them in the league? No, no, I think that's perfectly realistic at this stage. They've uh, they've made a good start, which was uh, one of their issues last season. And Gautier's readied his team this time around. So that's already, you know, one one big hurdle because obviously a bad start can take a while to turn around. Um, they've managed to get off on the on the front foot this time. And as, as Dave just mentioned, we've got real strength in depth at that, at that team. Um, it's probably the time to talk about just now a little bit of uh, discontent with Luis Campos, who's uh, yeah, rumoured to be... Well, can I plus announce yesterday, yeah, that Luis Campos wants to leave the club. Luis Campos has this uh, sort of interesting position. He's basically, a, he's not so much the sporting director because he's not a club employee. Um, he's a consultant. He effectively looks after the club's recruitment and he is you know, arguably the best or, you know, certainly one of the best in the world when it comes to, you know, having this network. And if Lille have thrived in the last two or three years, it, it's it, it's thanks to the wonderful work he's done. Dave, it, this, yeah, is, this is concerning, isn't it? What, what's happened is they've been able to buy players for a certain fee, identify the young talent the way that they did when Luis Campos was working at Monaco and then sell them on for huge fees. And that's sustaining the whole system. I think that's one we're going to have to see how it develops because Christophe Galtier wasn't willing to talk about it last night he's not uh, got any news on that front but it would be a massive blow if they lose them just just one more point just from the playing side and the Europa League starting up and that's going to be a challenge for that Lille squad because it's such a condensed European fixture list now between uh, now and Christmas and they, they play Sparta Prague this week and then they have to play against Celtic the following week they, there's just games every week AC Milan as well so that, that's going to be a test for Christophe Galtier to manage those resources and cope with playing Thursday, Sunday with yeah, those it, big league and games that you mentioned. True, true, but in some ways good as well that an Iconi and a Yazici and players like that can get game time and perhaps uh, perhaps Bamba will, sorry, not Bamba, perhaps uh, David will have a bit of a breather in Liga and they'll try and get him scoring in the Europa League. I don't know, but yeah, they, he's he's got options. Lance manager Franck Hez has got slightly fewer options with, with injuries. He's now lost uh, Jonathan Grady and uh, Clement Michelin to suspensions because they got sent off in the second half um, for, for Lens. Lens were, you know, they were struggling effectively to live with, with Lille. They did try to go sort of toe-to-toe with them. They tried to attack and ultimately left left too much space in behind. So, you know, I think Lens don't need to feel ashamed about their performance. They've got 12 points uh, in the bag so far, and uh, I think they can look forward to to sort of going going on and trying to secure their top flight status, you know, as early as possible. Shall we? Shall we move on? I think we've done the derby. Uh, Strasbourg against Lyon was another fascinating game. Strasbourg really struggling near the bottom. Lyon um, have been struggling to win. They've drawn their their recent matches. Can't quite take off uh, this season. Olympique Lyonnais. David Crossan had the pleasure of commentating uh, Strasbourg against Lyon from the Stade de la Meno. Simacon. Of energy being put into their play by Strasbourg. They have left themselves exposed here, though, as Kadawere gets in behind. 
Tino Caduere, the top scorer in Ligue 2 last season, has his first Olympique Lyonnais goal. Depay, he'll have extra numbers here. They've got pace, Caduere and uh, Tokue Kombi on the move. Depay's cross and it's into the back of the net for Lyon second. Carl Tokue Kombi with his first of the season. Set up by the captain, Memphis Depay and Lyon are flying. Could be a third goal for Depay here. Memphis Depay, can he finish it? No, but Tokue Kambi can. A second for Tokue Kambi. And after a really strong spell by Strasbourg, it is Lyon who have scored the third goal of this game. Strasbourg trying to get one back here. Lopez saves, but Diallo has a goal on his debut. Off the bench, the record signing. And he restores some hope. He came on for the left-back, Lionel Carroll, a few minutes ago. Good touch by Belgard. Belgard's cross, Diallo for his second, denied by Lopez. Simakion. The danger isn't over yet, Aulu scores! Jean-Hurd Aulu gets Strasbourg second. So Dave, this was, this was a funny one, wasn't it? With Leon roaring into a 3-0 lead and then in the end just about holding out to a 3-2 to a victory. That was really exciting. I, yeah, they got pegged back to 3-2. It could probably have finished 5 or 6-3, to be honest. There were so many chances. The defending was abysmal from both sides. And what it really showed that Leon missed Kakare. Kakare not fully fit after a positive coronavirus test. And they, they just didn't have anyone harrying in midfield. That uh, They had Alwar and Paqueta, the new signing, playing in front of Thiago Mendes. And... Yeah, the team got cut in two so often. Um, Strasbourg basically left Lyon half the pitch to run into and got punished time and time again. So that the positives for Lyon, that they'd barely scored a goal since beating Dijon 4-1 in the opening weekend of the season or their first game of the season when Depay scored a hat-trick. And they scored three, could have scored six. And Depay looked fitter than I've seen him all the time since he's come back from that knee injury because he laboured through the Champions League campaign and even though he scored that hat-trick against Dijon still didn't look right I think the games away with the Netherlands have helped him and the sprint that he did from his own half to set up Tokoe Kambi's first shows to me that he's getting back to the, the Memphis Depay that we all know that can be Dave, such a nuisance in Ligue 1 and he looks up for it. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say because there's fitness and there's also the fact that you know he had this transfer that collapsed to, to Barcelona at the last minute and, you know... There, are quest- there have to be question marks about whether he is going to still be up for it, still want to lead the challenge at Lyon, having been so close to leaving. I think, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of statistics compared to some of our colleagues who work on league and commentary, but Memphis Depay, someone who's considered quite a selfish player, has actually got more assists than any other league and player, including Angel Di Maria, since he came into the French game in January 2017. Now, I think some people are crediting with a hat-trick of assists in the, in the game on Sunday. I'm not quite sure whether he deserves the third one. I think Simacon touched it, Tokoe Kambi's way. But the main thing is that they look like scoring goals again. And uh, Kadawiri got one. Dembele, they need him to start getting back and because he came off the bench could have scored a couple, didn't. He's a bit short of confidence, but uh, I, I think they'll be all right, you know. Any Anyone for the last Zimbabwean player to score in Ligue 1? Benjani. Must no. be. No. Ooh. Ovidi Karuru. Oh, yeah. For Boulogne-sur-Mer against Lens in 2009. Wow. I That's... do remember Karuru. Him and Gregory Till. I, rem- I remember Benjani. Be- Benjani. And it was... 
Ben Jani, when he was at Auxerre, I went to interview him. I was a young journalist at, at Eurosport and it was my big mission. It was my first TV interview and it was, it was quite funny. He was top scorer in Ligue 1 at the time. And I think it was his first big TV interview. And we were both sitting in this room sweating. Um, and, and it was really awkward. I really thought you awkward. were going to say Samuel Eto came out and you were like, oh, <laughs> no, I had no problem recognising him. But yeah, it wasn't my finest hour. Probably not his either. But yeah, great to see some Zimbabweans uh, or a Zimbabwean back, back in France and uh, scoring. Um, Armel, what do you reckon? I mean, we talked about the the fact that Nice, uh, Lille, Rennes, all these other pretenders are going to have European campaigns. Of course, Lyon are not going to have Europe, um, and that you know that that surely will help, given the quality that they that they do have in their ranks. They should be able to string together a good run. It's going to be key. It's going to be key. Um, I I was hoping to mention there at the end for for uh, just to close off Lille as well that you know they they've been quite lucky with uh, covid cases in terms of timing they haven't missed too many players for game day itself whereas Leon haven't been quite so lucky as Dave mentioned with with Kakare missing this week and you just hope that you know it's going to turn for everybody soon enough and we'll we'll start having family. Well they did have Lopez back and that was really important otherwise mm. they were going to have to play the Togolese international Barkala who'd never played before he's only 21 and Lopez made some big saves mm. uh, and they also had Dubois back he, he looks a bit it's easier for a goalkeeper isn't it you don't need as many training sessions in the legs Dubois got tired in the second mm. half which is to be expected I reckon But I I, I do think a full strength Leon without European commitments is a, uh, you know, is an animal to to contend with this season. It's it's going to be difficult if if Memphis Depay continues in this. Uh... Speaking of animals, Paqueta's got a, a lion tattoo. Mm, it was written lions. in the stars, like Memphis. Yeah, don't think it's quite as big as is Memphis's that part lion of their tattoo. like recruitment policy. <laughs> it, it might be. You might, have to, you might have to send in a photo the the candidature yeah. <laughs> with a lion tattoo. Have you got one, Matt? Um, no. I don't have a lion tattoo. I have another tattoo, but I'll be keeping that to myself for, for for the time being. Dave, I wanted to ask you on a far more serious note what you thought of Lucas Paqueta, because I, I have to admit he's a player I haven't seen very much of. They've spent quite a lot of money on him. Great finish on the offside goal. It was, yeah. Um, no, technically looks good. Really nice left foot. Uh, but he was playing on the right-hand side of uh, this midfield three, and he kept trying to cut onto his left foot because he doesn't like using his right foot. And it was really obvious what he was doing, and Strasbourg were wise to this. So they kept blocking off his passes, and he got his team in trouble a few times. So I think we just need to see more of him. He wasn't as immediately eye-catching as Bruno Gimaresh was when he started up after the the winter transfer window. But, um, yeah, talented. Uh, we'll see. It reminds me a little bit of Yazidji in the way he looks after the ball, the way he controls it. And the other new guy, De Siglio, almost got sent off with pretty much his first intervention, didn't he? He did, yeah. That was touch and go. Mm. He managed to get enough of the ball um, and he almost set up a goal for Depay. If Depay had been three centimetres taller, he'd have had a goal at the end of a Discilio cross. Um, Armel, Strasbourg are in big trouble. They have just three points. They're sitting yeah. down in 18th. They had their, their new signing, 10 million euros. Habib Diallo came on um, towards the end of the first half wasn't it Dave when, when, yeah. when Strasbourg were in big trouble yeah, they organised. came on for Lionel Carroll because Lyon were destroying Strasbourg down the right hand side and they were already a, a couple of goals down um, went three down before Diallo scored and um, I, I think just the fact that they've got him means they're going to stay up 
he got 12 goals for Mets last season. Mm. Kept them up, effectively. And yeah. So he scored, get... he scored within minutes of coming on. Yeah, in the, at the end of the first half. And then he had a header saved by Lopez. And that eventually resulted in Aulu scoring. And um, he didn't actually have much service in the game. Still mm. scored one and played a key role in another. You get the ball to Diallo, he will score. But Ar- Armel, just before this podcast, we were watching him in a, in a post-match interview. He didn't look, didn't look oh. like a particularly happy lad, did he, Habib Diallo? No, I don't think he is. So obviously... Making the transfer from uh, from regional rivals Mets to Strasbourg, you either got to really want it, or it's uh, you know uh, for financial reasons for the club selling, and it really seems to be the case in in Habib Diallo's transfer. Um, he was asked by a journalist, uh, you know, what what was it that made him come to Strasbourg, and he just said, "Well, I didn't choose. I'm here now." I then asked him, yeah. uh, "What do you make of the coach?" He says, "Well, it's only my third day here, so." I don't know, I'll tell you well, next maybe, week. maybe he's a man of few words, but he was linked with different Sheffield Premier League United, teams, Sheffield United and, and Brighton, I think. Tottenham as well. Was it Tottenham as yeah. well? I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, look, Mets clearly needed to to cash in. It, it's not always easy for these, for these players who sometimes feel like they're, I'm not suggesting it's the case with Diallo, but sometimes feel they're sort of, you know, treated like commodities and, and not necessarily people. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. They need him to score. On a more positive, trivial note again, Last, only other player in the 21st century to score for both Mets and Strasbourg. Renaud Coad. Oh, there we are, the baldy straight in. <laughs> the baldy? Renaud Coad, not Dave. Oh, sorry. Dave, Dave's got a wonderful head of hair. <laughs> Very good shout. Dave certainly isn't bald. But let's let's move on um, to our Deja Who section. Um, our listeners... Um, all six of you, no, all six million of you. I, I don't know. The figures are kind of varying at the moment. Um, we do appreciate your loyalty. Uh, listening to Le Bourgeois, the official League Gun podcast in association with BT Sport. Um, so last week we gave you this clue. I was born and raised in the Paris region, but first came to the fore at Gangon in Brittany. Just four years ago, I was playing for Amiens reserve team in French football's fifth tier but uh, I eventually came into the pro world at Amiens and then at Lyon. I had a very, very good Sunday. That was when Tottenham beat Man United 6-1, I think, and Tongi Ndombele scored. And a lot of you got Tongi Ndombele, um, Aidan B, Adam Cyrilnik again, Habib Bar. Habib Bar is, is pushing Adam. Uh, you know, those two are, are very consistent. Uh, Andrew Mayer also got um, the answer, Tongi Ndombele. This week... Ian Holyman has gone for a slightly, slightly trickier one, I would say. So here we go for Deja Who. I was born in Normandy, but I made my name in Brittany. I played one sizzling season in Schwarzgelb. This weekend, I made my first start since November 2019. That's it. That's that's your lot um, for for this week. If you think you know the answer, do send us an email leave one podcast at gmail.com or use the hashtag Le Bourgeois on Twitter and we will uh, we will give you a shout out next week our next featured match Nîmes against Paris Saint-Germain that was on Friday night incredibly it was just 48 hours after France had triumphed 2-1 away to Croatia in the Nations League Kylian Mbappe um, scored the winner for Les Bleus two days later he was in action at the Stade de Costières in southern France and uh, Robbie Thompson commentated this game. Well, he's done that nicely. Cross back post and Ferenzi. Very coolly done with Kaylor Navas. Releases quickly. The pass for Mbappe. Look at the pace. Mbappe 
Pass, René! And into the empty net. The first assist in French football for Rafinha. The new signing from Barcelona sliding that ball through to Mbappe. Herrera outside with Dagba. Florenzi's enjoying this striking roll back post. Sarabia! Oh, and I think Florenzi's got it. I think it's an assist for Pablo Sarabia. It is, and Florenzi finally gets his goal after hitting the post twice. Mbappe. Mbappe! Well, this is a curious one. Mbappe gets his second of the night. In theory, the referee could have brought it back for a penalty. Play has continued. Goal number four of the season for the Frenchman. And after battling so hard, it could get very ugly for Nîm, and that's goal number four. Pablo Sarabia. So, Paris Saint-Germain, too good for Nîm. 4-0 um, victors PSG. And it was interesting, actually, to see something of a new look, Paris Saint-Germain. We had uh, Florenzi playing again. We've seen him in, in the last few games. But we had Rafinha, the former Barcelona midfielder, making his debut. And we had Moise Keane as well, um, up top, playing with Mbappe wide left. Um, Keane probably... Um, was the worst of the three, but was certainly present. He had a, a good header against the crossbar. Florenzi scored and hit the woodwork twice. Rafinha set up the opener for, for Mbappe. And, you know, I, I did feel there was a bit of a freshness about PSG with these uh, with these new faces. Yeah, it's a, a different-looking setup for Paris Saint-Germain. It's, I think they'll have uh, more challenging games than that particular one against Nîmes. Uh, so we'll see how they fare against... Uh, Stronger opponents, but um, I just like killing Mbappe. He's, he's an absolute monster. Nothing new, but he's in such good form. Uh, he's what involved in a goal in each of his last seven league games, and and, has... and in such good shape physically. Because yeah. to do that, you know, it's mm. not just a case of being forty-eight hours. It's the travelling involved. You know, going from Zagreb to Paris down to Nîmes, and yeah, he was just too too hot to live with, wasn't he? I think the turnaround is hard enough when you're just working on the games. So to do all the recovery. <laughs> as a player and then go out there and play that well and, yeah. and they needed him given of all the players that they had out for various reasons um, when it comes to the, the squad strengthening well, they needed more depth to their squad so um, yeah I, too early to say how good these players are I mean mm. having been bossed by Thiago Alcantara in the Champions League final you sign his brother who's not quite so good <laughs> when Liverpool managed to get Thiago Alcantara for a fee that would have been well within PSG's compass that's got to be a little bit frustrating anyway let's just see how it goes I'm... he got a, a, a lovely welcome to Ligue 1 didn't he uh, Rafinha when Loic Landre got his red card it was a yeah, Nigel, Nigel de Jong yeah Neem yeah, down to 10 men early on there it was, it was always going to be tough for them I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a bit of a it's not a, a good girl um, it's, it's a bit of a cheeky uh, cheeky uh, jab at Robbie Thompson who, who's not there because his commentary was hilarious um, for the for the third goal there was Neem were attacking no sorry PSG were attacking and a Neem defender sort of fell over in the box and it perhaps brushed his hand I'm not sure and Robbie in the commentary said oh it's handball that's surely going to be a penalty and quite a few PSG players appealed 
um, and then play carried on. And it was one of those where the ball didn't go out of play for ages. So it's like three minutes later and Robbie's like, well, the, the VAR is going to have to look at this. And then Sarabia played Mbappe through and Mbappe scored. And that's why you heard Robbie's commentary going, well, that, this is a curious one. Because <laughs> they're not going to come back for the penalty now. Um, anyway, Rob, you'll, you'll have a right to reply to that next week. But I, I found it all quite amusing. Um, obviously, no, they're not going to go back for the penalty. One, because it wasn't a penalty. And two, because PSG scored. There you go. Five wins in a row now for PSG, though. So they're they're back on the right track. They were top of the table on 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 Saturday night, at least. Now being overtaken, so it seems that things are, are back to normal. Let's have a quick look ahead to the to the Champions League action. Um, we haven't finished in in, in Ligue 1 Uber Eats. We're going to talk about um, a couple of more games, but PSG at home against Manchester United. It's a, it's a mouth watering one, isn't it? On Tuesday night at the Parc des Princes. Mm. First question is. This going to turn into a, an Edison Cavani tribute? Well, there aren't going to be any fans, are there? Uh, there'll be no fans. And that, <laughs> and that means that the Paris Saint-Germain directors will be pretty much in charge of the atmosphere. And if they've got <laughs> anything to do with it, they'd rather Edison Cavani just stay in Manchester. Yeah, no, that's true. They'll just be Robbie Thompson cheering in the stands, probably. So no, He won't, won't be allowed to mention him pre-match, though. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I, I realised, as I was saying that, it was a stupid thing to say, because I was kind of... Looking forward to Edin- Edinson getting his send-off at last, but of course he's he's not going to get that. But he might start for Man United. Uh, Man United, who put four past Dave's beloved Newcastle. They did have to work quite hard for that. They were very lucky. Dave's shaking his I, in head. Fact, they could have won by 10, but they were really <laughs> lucky. Um, inconsistent. You know, PSG, in theory, they should be too good for, PS- for, for Man United, but we said that two years ago, um, and it all went horribly wrong, of course, with that Kimpembe handball. Do you think they'll, because of that, PSG will kind of, there'll be an extra edge and an extra motivation to kind of put the record straight? I think when PSG play in the Champions League group stages, it's usually, uh, it's usually they just walk away with it, you know, seven goals in each game, top of the table, and then they start sweating when it's the knockout stages. I, I can't see United causing Paris Saint-Germain too many problems this, this week. I mean, I don't watch much Premier League, but I hear they've been pretty shocking since the start of the season, so... And two of the players that had a nightmare that night against Manchester United won't be playing. Keira is injured. Buffon's no longer at the club. I, I think players move on way quicker than journalists or fans like to think. I don't <laughs> think that they have so many matches to play that, that unless it's a final and they've had big problems in the finals before, I don't think it crosses their mind too much. They just go out there and play. Well, I saw the interview with Mbappe when he was asked about whether it's going to be a special occasion to see Cavani back at the park, and he was so cold. I mean, you know, he just gave a very flat, res- flat-batted response saying, oh, no, it's a Champions League game, we want to win, and if Edinson Cavani is playing for the other team, well, we hope we beat him, and, and that's it. There wasn't one word like, oh, at least it'll be, you know, good to have a chat with Eddie, but, um, yeah... He's more, he's more of a Neymar man anyway, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Just, I, you know, before you guys are sort of ruling Man United out, it is still Man United. It's Martial, it's, it's Rashford, it's Cavani. It's maybe oh, Man United Green, are going to be much stronger than when they came to the Parc de France last time. They will, time. and PSG's defence is, is, is rather um, threadbare, isn't it? I mean, they, they have quite a few players missing. We're talking about Diallo playing with Kimpembe, two left-footed centre-backs for PSG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I still... Don't think United are going to cause PSG much trouble. They've got a very, very strong team. Just we'll have to wait to see if Mbappe is going to make the starting lineup. But we know he can come on and change a Champions I'm League sure, game. Yeah, anyway. I'm sure. I'm sure he wants to play. Um, good to see some Ligue 1 Uber Eats confidence around the table. Do we share that confidence, Dave, for Ren? 
Um, Rennes were held, by the way, on Friday night against uh, Dijon away from home. Disappointing result for them. Yeah, they, yeah, they play, they, they, just to say, they play at, at home against Krasnodar and there will be 5,000 supporters at Rosen Park. Yeah, back-to-back bad results for them in Ligue 1, having been held by Rennes just before the international window. I, I think it's good... Uh, I'm sure we'll get on to Marseille in a second, but I think it's good for both Rennes and Marseille to start off with the games that they've got, that particularly for Rennes as Champions League debutants coming up against Krasnodar. They're a decent side. Remy Cabela's in great form for them, but um, they're not going to scare you particularly. So um, it, it, it was a weakened Rennes side on, on Friday as well. I think it's worth pointing out. It wasn't their starting eleven that drew... At Dijon, so yeah, they, they were lacking De Silva and, and Zonzi, who were suspended, mm. and they're two massive players for them in terms of their organisation. Camavinga was on the bench. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think it's a good chance for them. They could easily mm. start with a win. Marseille. We will talk about Marseille. They're the other Champions League team. Let's find out how they got on at the weekend because Armel Tanguy was commentating. Um, the game between Marseille and Bordeaux at the Orange Velodrome. Tova lines one up. Tova, brilliant strike from Florian Tova. They gave him too much space, Bordeaux, and Florian Tova punished them. Tova's free kick off from Arvi's head, and Jordan Amavi, for the second season running, has scored against Bordeaux. Sakai. Sanson wants it, it's into the path of uh, Crisance. Now Amavi onto his left boot, Jordan Amavi. And it takes a huge deflection, but Jordan Amavi has a second. Armel, Marseille 3, Bordeaux 1. Sounds like a sort of a great Saturday night. You think about these two big teams from the 80s and 90s, a heaving velodrome, but that wasn't the case really, was it? I'd absolutely love to... To, to go with you on that but no it was an, an empty velodrome and despite four goals a bit of an empty 90 minutes as well um, but we like to be positive on a Monday morning so let's be positive Florian Tovar's goal absolute classic Tovar beautiful to put them 1-0 up and I think they needed that early goal because um, this was their first win at home of the season at the fourth attempt and uh, that sort of took some pressure off them on uh, Villas Boas's 43rd birthday it was on Saturday night as well so they've been keen to give him his little present with him having stayed on at the club in the summer he's younger than me overseen 400 matches by the age of 43 unbelievable (laughs) there we go I feel old sorry yeah yeah no Tovar inspiring the 3-1 win so he also set up Jordan Amavi's goal the the second goal and we had a debutant Mikael Cuisance Mikael Cuisance looked um, looked very good actually Um, I mean yeah, he was one of the, the him and Amavi were the the best performers in Marseille's team without doubt on on Saturday evening. Cuisance looks like he brings something different to the side, which is important because for me the their recent signings have been very similar to players that they've they've already got, and it just seems to you know kind of numbers in the middle with Pat Gay, Strotman, Rangier. They've all been brought in in the past two or three seasons of Pat Gay this summer, and they're all just kind of you know sturdy midfielders, but. Cuisance, who I didn't know much about, plays more of a, a number 10 role. He was playing behind Benedetto and Tova and he looked um, he looked confident, he looked strong, he was uh, recycling the ball quickly and it really helped Marseille progress forwards. Um, did a little bit better than Hatton Ben Arthur. But because I mean. it's Marseille though, the, within a couple of days that will become can Cuisance and Payet play in the same team? Like, can they? Oh, there's already talk yeah, yeah. that Payet should be left out because Marseille won without him at, at, at the weekend. <laughs> 
I mean, no, I yeah, mean obviously is. Marseille need they need Dimitri Payet. Yeah. Um, and they needed that victory, three draws in a row they did. and a defeat mm. in in their last four. So that relieves a bit of pressure ahead of this game against Olympiacos. And it is a big game because Marseille, um, you know, they're, they're a club that have this fantastic relationship with, with European football. They're the only French side to have won the uh, the Champions League. They were in the Europa League final recently. And uh, I'm just looking here. Olympiacos got a, got a good victory at the weekend, 4-0 against um, Atromitos. Sorry, just oh, to really? double, double check that. Um, yeah. Yusuf El Arabi got a hat-trick. French-born um, striker, former comp player, Moroccan international. Mm. Uh, Mathieu Valbuena also in action yeah. uh, for, for Olympiacos. Not an easy place to go, is it, uh, Dave? No. In, in all seriousness, it's a tough place to go. No, yeah. yeah. Uh, but again, like with Krasnodar at home, it shouldn't hold any fear for Marseille's big return to the competition. Uh, they won't have Boubacar Camera. He's suspended because he got a red card when Marseille were in Europe in 2018, which <laughs> which just seems ridiculous to me. But there we go. That's Those are the rules. So um, they won't have him. Uh, Payet will be available, having been unavailable domestically. Chaletta Saar went off with a knock as well. So it we'll seems see like how he might be okay. So yeah, right, a okay. bit of a calf problem. Yeah, Benedetto yeah. as well. Some might say if Benedetto is out, that's not a big loss. I, I and know. I'm one of them. Again, what, but, I just... but, what, but what's happened to him? Because he, he, so, he looked so sharp, particularly his first few months at Marseille. Got to double mm. figures for goals very quickly. Uh, there was a lot of talk that, yeah, they've got their, they've got their number nine at last. I mean, what? Mm. It's just confidence crisis? Is it physical issues? He's, I, I, he doesn't look to be making the runs and putting in the effort needed to get yourself about in a football match to be... A number nine has to be in the right positions to score. Cliché, I know, but you have to be. And to end up in that right position, you've got to be biting at defenders' heels when they're picking up the ball. And he just... He's just a little bit see-through. Luis Enrique uh, or Henrique came came on in the in the final few minutes. The new signing from Botafogo for his debut and uh, three or four touches, but confidence and you know the ability to go forwards with the ball that Benedetto just didn't show throughout the whole game. And I worry for him. And I'm just I'm just fortunate that Marseille have actually brought someone in 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 an attacking position in Luis Enrique to. Maybe uh, just 18, the 18, 18 years of age. Yeah. And again, looking at his stats, didn't score in the Brazilian top flight no. for Botafogo. But I mean, realistically, he's, he's the only option, isn't he? Because they're not, they're not well, going to play Germain on his own. They're not going to bring Mitroglou back, A shame back ahead in. of the Costasico on, on one Wednesday against his former side. But yeah, yeah he's... I've, I've been in the stadium when Costas Mitroglou has scored a Champions League hat-trick. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah. For Olympiacos, actually. Uh, and Alex. Impressive stuff. Bordeaux, um, I'll try and say that coherently, Bordeaux are a bit worrying, Armel, aren't they? Uh, we, they? They seem to have this steady start to the season under Jean-Louis Gasset without mm. really playing fancy football at all. They yeah. brought in Hatem Ben Arfa. Um, how did he get on against Marseille? I think exactly how any professional footballer would get on having not played since the 7th of July. He was... Pretty invisible. He did try and get himself about. I think the first time he touched the ball was when he scored an offside goal, 16 and a half minutes in, which uh, was a very nice move that he created. But um, he's just not, you know, not quite to the rhythm of competition yet. And that's something that Jean-Louis Gasset has accepted, decided to start with him anyway. He didn't last the whole game, but he'll be he'll be valuable for them. He will get them goals. He will get them assists, but it's going to take him uh, in... Another tribute to Robbie Thompson. A bit of time 
to to get uh, to get ready for for you know competition with with Bordeaux. Um, but I think their their biggest miss on on Saturday evening was just Laurent Koscielny, who did travel but wasn't fit enough to make the squad, let alone the starting eleven. And um, his absence was was felt at the back. Base and Pablo really weren't uh, weren't playing together well, and uh, Marseille profited. Cheeky goal for Josh Madger, though. We like to see that, don't we? Yeah, it was... good, uh, good weekend for the English-born uh, strikers because we know Josh Madger is a Nigerian international. Madger scoring. Steffi Mavadidi scored for Montpellier. They got a good point, actually, against Monaco. They were down to 10 men. Savanier sent off, but they managed to get a 1-1 draw thanks to Mavadidi. And uh, Trevo Chalabar, the uh, young Englishman at Lorient, was also a starter in midfield for them and they won 3-1 uh, away to Reims. So... Uh, Fair play. Allez les, les roast beef, as they say here in uh, France. Other scores, Nantes 3, Brest 1. Great result for, for Nantes. Uh, Angers 1, Metz 1. And um, my commentary game was a good one. It was uh, a game at the Stade Joffre, Guichard, Saint-Etienne against Nice. And uh, and this is what happened. Query takes. The keeper comes. It's not convincing from Jesse Moula. And Nice have the lead. Pierre Les Melo hitting the ball very sweetly with his left foot. Good one-two there with Chiram. Oh, what a mistake. Oh, dear. Amin Guiri scores after an absolute howler between Jesse Moula and Saiduso. A horrible moment for the 18-year-old defender. Now, Amuma. Amuma with the cutback and Ashish with the goal. Saint-Étienne rewarded for their positivity at the start of this second half and they're back in the contest thanks to their 18-year-old Ashish. It's opening up now. Oh, the shot comes in. It was Dan and Doy and Maulida has poked the ball into the empty net. Nice have secured the points now. Mizian Maulida. So, a game of two halves, really. Um, uh, nice totally dominant in the first half, uh, going ahead through Les Melu and then an absolute joke of a goal, the French call a boot gag. There was a horrible misunderstanding between Saidou So and the goalkeeper Jesse Moulin. Um, and So just basically deflected it past Moulin and uh, Guiri, who had completely given up on the move, just uh, suddenly saw the ball squirt out towards the goal line and, and just had to put it in. But then Saint-Étienne just obviously were given a rocket by Claude Puel at half-time, came out with a lot more aggression, got a goal, and and they did put Nice under pressure. In the end, uh, uh, Mizian uh, Maulida got that, got that goal late, which means that two Lyon-trained strikers scored um, against Saint-Étienne, Guiri and... Uh, and Mizian, and yeah, I liked I, I I liked Nice, particularly in the first half. We um we had uh, a question from our listener Dylan uh, Topham, who is uh, a Nice fan in East Lancashire, and he said, "Yeah, great to see Nice winning at the weekend." However, another game where they failed to keep a clean sheet and uh, didn't look as convincing as the scoreline suggests. Do you think Nice will fulfil their potential this season, or will they fall short of a top three place again? Also, how much priority should it be for Bob Ratcliffe and Jean-Pierre River to invest in the medical facilities to speed up the return of many injured players and give Patrick Vieira more options for his uh, for his starting eleven? Well, interesting, interesting questions. I mean, they do have players 
missing through injury. I do think they're they're a better side. They will be a better side when Casper Dolberg is is fit. He picked up that in, injury against England um, during the international break. But uh, in terms of the medical team, I am not necessarily qualified to know if they're underperforming. Um, in terms of Nice's ambitions, I, I was really impressed first half. But yeah, I agree with Dylan Topham's concern about their sort of inconsistency and their inability to to dominate what was a very young Saint-Étienne side for, for more than 45 minutes. So top three, I you know, I think it's going to be hard and I, I wouldn't expect Nice to finish top three. What, what do you guys think? I Briefly, just in terms of medical facilities, I mean, they, they opened a state-of-the-art training ground in October 2017, which does have recovery pools and, and, and cold chambers in it. So in terms of facilities, I think the investment has been made. And I like Matt, I can't comment any further on the on the staff. Apart from the playing staff, that's what we're here for. And uh yeah, I think I think top three's a bit ambitious for Nice, really. Um their shall we say their um experienced players aren't quite as decisive as Lille's. I was for gonna example. say that. I, I yeah. see them very much as Lille light. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Dante and Schneiderlin uh, are there to do that job of being the experienced heads. They've got the reliable keeper in Benitez, even though he had a, a shaky game by his standards against yeah. Saint-Étienne. But yeah, I don't feel like there's quite the same um, depth there in their squad. They need Ronnie Lopez to start playing like he did at mm. Monaco. And, uh, I, I'm getting more and more frustrated every time I watch Ronnie Lopez, to be honest. Yeah, I, like, I really like him as a player, but he, he, he got whether he got tired, I don't know. But yeah, he is just lacking that little bit of kind of energy and that, I don't know. I, I don't know. Because he's able to sort of go past a player um, and then he I don't, he either runs out of steam or or, or he gets caught up. I, I would say that Dante was really impressive. Just so much calm and so so strong at the back. They reverted to a, to a back three and Soki played for the first time. Turned 37, didn't he? Yeah, he's turned 37. I love his long passing, his influence in the dressing room. Everyone obviously loves him at Nice. He was screaming, at, I think it was Lotomba, but he was absolutely screaming at Jordan Lotomba towards the end of the game and, and Schneiderland was, was, was asked about that, saying, is there you know any problems in the team? And I think it was just, yeah, Lotomba had switched off or had made a, a positional error and he was just, you know, putting putting it putting it right. But one thing I have to say uh, that I am surprised that Dylan, our listener, mentions as well is that Nice are conceding so many goals because, again, you know, we speak about Dante uh, performing and, and, and leading by example. Got Schneidlin in there this season as well. And Vieira sort of built his reputation at Nice in his first season on a rock-solid defence. I thought that was his uh, his Mac de Fabrique, as we say here, his, his trademark, you know, just... Uh, Rock solid defence, maybe nick a goal at the other end, and while well, Nice have what kept two clean sheets so far this season against Bordeaux, which uh, so far doesn't really deserve a round of applause, and and against Strasbourg, who have also been struggling hugely. So that that is a bit of a a, a, a surprise for me, anyway. And if they are to to at least push for the top places, then that needs to be sorted out definitely. They've got Europe. They've got Bayer Leverkusen away on uh, on Thursday, and then they play Lille. And it's an opportunity for us to, I would say, move on to our Bon Voyage section. It's time to, like I say, the sun is shining, and we all want to we want to get out and about. And the president Emmanuel Macron hasn't restricted travel yet, so we are allowed to travel. Let's uh, have a look at uh, round eight and decide where we would like to go.
going to go to David Crossan first. Um, David, you're a you're a you're a traveller. You've been telling us all about your your trips to to Greece and and what have you this week. Where where do you fancy next weekend? I think, and I don't want to make this too political, but I'd like to get to a non-curfew zone just for a few hours. So I'm, I'm going to head west. Um, why not Lorient Marseille Saturday afternoon? I think that looks really good to me. Fancy a trip to the Morbihan. Mm. But if it's in the afternoon, it doesn't matter about the curfew. No, but you've got time afterwards for dinner, haven't you? You've got to think about the important things in French life. Okay, okay. I'll go to you, Armel. Just first, let me run through some of the the, the main matches. Uh, Ren, I almost said leaders, Ren. They're not leaders anymore. Ren playing at home against Angers mm. um, on Friday night. That's 9pm uh, in France, 8pm in the UK, live on BT Sport. Lorient versus Marseille, the game that David Crossan will perhaps be, a, be attending. 5pm in France, 4pm in the UK. Also, Live on television on BT Sport, PSG Dijon is the 9pm uh, game next Saturday night. All these big matches on uh, on BT Sport in the UK. Um, Lyon against Monaco, arguably the game of the round. That is 9pm on Sunday night in France, 8pm in the UK. And the match I mentioned, Nice-Lille. Um, another really interesting one, 5pm in the afternoon in France, 4pm in the UK. Armel Tangi. It's probably a good time just to um, mention to our listeners that our, our road trip that we were so excited about didn't happen. It was never I, was, meant- I was waiting for Robbie to get in touch to, to about plans. Uh, and I passed the baton on to someone else as well. So, yeah, that didn't happen. So um, we, we didn't go to Lille. But poor, I think I'll, I'll try, and, try and seal Lille this weekend. Nice-Lille, nice for reasons we've, we've just mentioned Um I think sounds like a an interesting encounter to keep an eye on and two teams that I enjoy watching. Yeah, definitely. And I I would suggest a um a road trip in in December. I think but I think we really do need to organize one and maybe we could even record Le Bourgeois and I I would suggest going to Strasbourg. I mean it's difficult, isn't it, in the current climax of something about the Christmas market and stuff, but look, let's well, go to the game on December the 23rd or whenever well, it no, is. Well, no, because we, we, we've, we've, all got to, we've all got to be commentating and, and, and working. We're going to be working mm. right up to Christmas Day, unfortunately. But, you know, but we love it. We love, we love Ligue 1 Uber Eats. So it's all good. It's all good. Sorry, family. We'll be, we'll be commentating Lorient against uh, Strasbourg or something like that. Um, anyway, David Crossan has, has started laughing, so it's probably time, time to leave you all. I do hope you've enjoyed uh, Le Bourgeois this week. Armel, thank you. Thank you. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure hearing your thoughts. Great to see you so 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 alive this morning, and uh, Dave as well. Thanks for the uh, for the hospitality. Thanks for coming round. We'll see you all uh, again soon, and hopefully, listeners, you will join us again next week. It's been Le Bourgeois. We love uh, hearing from you, so do send us your your thoughts. League One Podcast at Gmail dot com. We'll be back again next week. All the very best. Bye bye. And by now. Benyatta, beautifully done, sensational.